Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn over to Luke chapter 12, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about um, where we're at. Last week we saw, uh, two, or not last week, two weeks ago we saw... Um, two points that Christ was teaching on. The first one was that confessing Him was essential for salvation and for testimony. We, we, it was very clear uh, that, that confessing Christ before men, uh, having that belief in your heart is essential for salvation, but it's also important to maintain that testimony among men. And the second thing was this, once we do that, that confrontation is imminent for the saved and those who are testifying. Again, Jesus was telling His followers uh, that if we trust in Him and we follow Him, if we're born again uh, as the children of God on this earth, we are going to face trouble. He told them that. But don't worry about that because you can trust in the Lord and God will get you through it. Uh, but this process of going through difficulties, going through troubles in our faith, our journey of faith, uh, reminds us how important it is for us to stay close and stay focused on the Lord and the Lord Himself, uh, period. And during trials and during temptations, troubles, all of it is to be done with faith in Jesus Christ. And so this morning we move forward, and we're going to see a little bit more teaching from the Lord, uh, again, concerning faith. And I'll just say right now, um, we are going to be talking about our relationship with God, our relationship with finances and stuff. So disclaimer, I'm going to pray if you want to leave when I pray. Uh, you, no, don't, don't leave. This is God's Word. Um, but we are going to be talking about finances and stuff this morning, so... Uh, let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, we just thank you so much for this time. We thank you for allowing us to be here again. We, we're so thankful for what we've already experienced, the opportunity uh, to worship you in various ways, God, through song and prayer and, and giving and, Lord, just celebrating what you've done. And, Lord, we're so thankful uh, to see the souls that have been saved and souls that have been obedient and following you in baptism that you're adding to the church. And, um, God, we are, we're so blessed to see you're doing a great work at Trinity Baptist Temple, Lord, but uh, we want to see more, Lord, and that's not for ourselves. We want to see your kingdom built, and we want to see more lost souls saved uh, for eternity. And so, God, help us to be faithful. Help us not to just relax and, and be settled on, on the fact that you did something great last month, God, but pr pray that we would continue to press forward, seeking your face, being obedient to your call, uh, being steadfast in the mission that you've called us to, and um, Lord, that you'll continue to do what only you can do and uh, through our obedience. And so, Father, we pray this morning uh, that as your word is preached, each one of us would be open and receptive, and that if it convicts us, that we'll heed that conviction, we'll, we'll turn and repent, and we'll, we'll get things straight and right with you. Uh, Lord, if we are encouraged, then I pray that it would just continue to help us to be faithful. Um, and whatever the case is, Lord, in each of our lives, I pray that you would accomplish it, and just use me as a vessel, Lord. We want you glorified and you alone and your will accomplished through this time that we have in your word. And we praise you for it. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles in Luke chapter 12, I just want to remind you um, what Jesus had told them. That you're going to have to face confrontation. Uh, but we know also that Jesus himself had fallen into the sights of the religious and the legal leaders of the day. Uh, they were looking to find him caught in some type of misstep or some type of uh, some, saying something wrong. They were looking to take Jesus down uh, from the point that he challenged them and he called them out, he, the, the woes that he pronounced on them. 
And so we pick up here in verse 13 of chapter 12. It says, And one of the company, again, the people that were gathered around him, uh, remember, he just spoke to his disciples. He had just told them, be careful, this is what you're going to face. And now he's talking to uh, the, the, larger, the larger group there. And one of the people there said, Master, speak to my brother that he may divide the inheritance with me. Uh, now, again, we're not going to get into all the details on this, but many of you know uh, the story of Jacob and Esau. Many of you know even Jewish history that there's a birthright, there's an inheritance given to the firstborn. So we, we know some of that. And so now uh, maybe, you know, this is presuming, this, this man is not the firstborn, and he's telling, hey, you need to talk to my brother who's getting all of this junk, all of this stuff, this inheritance. Tell him to split it up with me. Um, and so look what Jesus answered. And he said unto him, man, who made me a judge or divider over you? Now, that's interesting that Jesus, and we know he's God in the flesh, it's interesting he re replied to him that way. But the reason he's replying to him that way is, about, is because what he's about to say and what he's about to teach. So look what he says. And he said unto them. So this man comes, hey, help me out. I, I, I need some stuff. I need some money. My brother's going to get it all. And tell him to share it with me. Tell him to split it up. And Jesus said, who am I? I I'm, not your, I'm not someone to divide uh, what you get in this world. Uh, that's, not, that's not my call. And so he teaches this example. Listen, he said, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Now, I think it's amazing. If you were here this past Wednesday night, Brother Jaron Rogers uh, and his wife Nikki were here, and, and I asked him to preach, and he preached out of Philippians chapter 4. And, his, uh, and the reason I think it's amazing is because what he was preaching on was finances. In large part, he was talking about how God has set up the financing of the gospel ministry uh, through his church, through the giving of his people. Uh, through the obedience. Again, that is both locally and abroad, foreign and local. It's what God set up. It's how he set it up, period. So when we see scripture, that's what's going on. We saw that the apostle Paul was grateful for the Philippian church, how they cared for him. They watched over him and they sent to him time and time again. And Paul had learned through no matter what in the gospel ministry to, be, uh, to abound and to be abased, to suffer loss and to, uh, to be hungry, to be full. I mean, he learned all those things. And in verse 11 says, whatsoever state, I am therewith to be content. That's what I've learned. He goes on further and he says that I can do all things through Christ. Because again, he had suffered loss. He had been hungry. He had been full. He had been through so many things in the gospel service. And again, in that letter, commending the Philippian believers for saying, you know what? It's important that the gospel ministry continue on. And we realize in this world it takes certain things for certain things to happen. A tangible things for certain things to happen. And so again, many people, as I said a while ago, it's a disclaimer, many people don't like talking about finances. A lot of times that people enter into a church, especially the new time, they, the, the first time, the first couple times, they, they think, well, is this church always going to be hounding me on finances? And that's a tragedy because there are a lot of churches, a lot of people that abuse that for gain themselves. And um, if you've been in our church, you know what we're doing. We're, we're trying to get the gospel out. And so we are, we are trying to do that as best as, as we can in every way, locally and foreign, uh, both. And so when we get to this issue of finances or stuff dealing with things, um, and specifically as it concerns our relationship with God, then things can get really sensitive. People can get really edgy and say, you know what, I, I don't really like this. But I want you to have your hearts, have your minds open to what God is about to teach all of us. Um, again, he's teaching these people here a very important le lesson. He says, life isn't about having a bunch of stuff. 
Life isn't about having a bunch of possessions. That's not what makes your life up. That's not what defines you. That's not what gives you value. It's not in what you have. Life on this earth is way more than just having money and things. The warning before was to give strict attention to guarding against covetousness. He says, you know, beware and, and, and be alert, be watchful. Don't, don't let your heart be carried away with covetousness. Well, what does this word covetousness mean? Well, to covet means a couple different things uh, in the Bible. One can mean lust, to desire, uh, but this one specifically is talking about an, a very evil connotation because you can covet uh, more of God. You can covet more of what God has. You can desire, you can long for uh, more of God and the things of God. And so, but this is not this type of covet. This is an evil, greedy type of covetousness. Even as much as what we saw with the uh, Pharisees, uh, the Bible, the definition here in the Greek is uh, even extortion and fraudulency. And so basically what we see in the world today, to do anything and everything you can do to get and gain and, and hoard it all for yourself. And so again, this is a very stark contrast in the narrative that we see in the world with what Jesus is teaching. D Jesus is saying, listen, your life is not defined by what you have or what you get or what you gain. It's not about money. It's not about things. It's not about that at all. The world, of course, we know what it teaches. Get everything you can while you can. The world teaches this, that riches equal success. The world also teaches the, the narrative that riches or things equal happiness. And again, we, we see it all over the place. But we know, according to Scripture, that's a lie. That's a lie. You say, how, how do you know that's a lie? It's not a lie just according to Scripture, but look in society. I mean, you can look at how many people are uh, in Hollywood and, and in the, even in sports scenes that, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've read an article of an athlete who has done, done some numbskull thing They've got all the riches, they've got all the opportunity in the world, and what are they doing? They're going out to a club, they're going out to this place and getting wasted and, and getting in a fight and going to jail and having a gun on them, and, uh, you know, or, or, or they're doing something worse. And, and again, it's like, why would you do that? Why in the world would you, and the reason why is this, they have all the money, they have all the fame, and they still aren't happy. They're still empty. And so they go out night after night, and they go out with these people, and they're trying to fulfill something inside that money, things, fame, nothing can fill. And they find themselves empty. And so again, Jesus is teaching, this is not what your life consists of. Our relationship, unfortunately, even as, as believers in Jesus Christ, can get messed up with money and things. Uh, we, can, we can buy into that lie that, that we need to get everything while we can. And our relationship with money and things becomes more of a God and servant relationship. We begin to pursue, we begin to covet, we are controlled by. Our moods, our attitudes, our thoughts, our, everything begins to get controlled by, often by what we have or by what we don't have. Think about it. Think about it. Whenever you have plenty, whenever there's plenty of money or there's plenty of stuff, it, it's, it's sometimes easier to be happy about things at least for the moment. But what happens whenever it's hard to pay the bills and you don't know if you're going to have groceries and, 
And oftentimes, those circumstances through our lack or our want of things or want of money, lack of money, uh, dictate our everything sometimes. Our thought processes, our feelings, our attitudes and interaction with our spouse. Amen? Because if you've been married for any amount of time, you know that one of the greatest challenges in marriage is finances. Right? Because what happens? Things get tight, and you're living life together. Things get difficult. You don't have answers. You, it, it becomes something very hard, and all of a sudden, our interaction with each other becomes different. And so, again, we can, we can get pulled into this even as the people of God. But we also have to understand why we are given the things that we have. Why are we given money? Why, why do we have material blessings? Why are these things in our life? They are here as that, as blessings. And as we are to do with every blessing that we have in this life, material, what you got on your back, what you got in your house, what you drive up in, in this car, or in this, in this parking lot, material, or be it relational, that person sitting next to you, behind you, beside you, in front of you, those kids next door, Or even spiritual, what you have inside, what no one can touch, what no one can take away. All those things, all these things are blessings from God. And with all the blessings, material, relational, spiritual, we are to steward them all rightly. That's why we have them. God has entrusted us with a certain amount of material blessings. And you've heard me say this before. In America, we are going to be highly accountable for all of the stuff and all of the things that we have and how we are using them. And, I, and I, 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 I'm nervous for me. I'm nervous for all of us on how that's going to look one day when we stand before the Lord. But we have been given so much in this nation. We've been given so many opportunities, so many things but also relationally. I look around this room. I look on the front row. I think about my girls next door. Again, I look around the room here and all the people here, and I think, man, we are so blessed. And we have so many connections and relationships, and, and God has blessed us richly. It's an amazing blessing. But then on top of that, the spiritual blessings. God has been so good to us. But I want to ask a question of every single person right here, right now. If you lost every material blessing, would it, would it bother you more than losing every spiritual blessing? Now think about that. If you lost every material blessing you had, would it bother you more than losing every spiritual blessing you had? Now I know the default answer and the, and the pious answer is to say, absolutely not. It would bother me more to lose more my, my spiritual blessing than it would my material blessings. But... The, the, the question that we have to look at even further is this. Would you be more devastated to lose money or the ability to have things, something or even something materially valuable to you than to lose the ability to serve the body of Christ with the spiritual gifts that he's blessed you with? Think about that. 
Would it bother you more to lose the money that you have right now in the bank, the money you have saved up, the money you have in, in certain accounts, the, the, the things that you have, it, you know, again, you drove up, drove up in, things that you have when you're going to go home today. Would it bother you more to lose those types of things or would, or would it bother you more to lose the opportunity to serve the body of Christ with the spiritual blessings that Almighty God gave to you? Specifically for that. And again, I think we can all try to answer piously and say, it would bother me more not to be able to serve the body of Christ. But the question is this, do we live like that? Do we live like that? Or are we more controlled? Are we more up and down? Are we more affected whenever those things financially happen in our life or materially happen in our life than, than when we get off a little spiritually? Or we lose an opportunity spiritually? Or we're not faithful spiritually? Or we're not doing what God has given to, gifted us to do spiritually? Does it bother us more? Which one bothers us more? Because really I think we have to be honest and open about things like promotions or bonuses or even paychecks. Does it affect you more not to get those things or would it affect you more not to get a paycheck than to not be able to witness and share the gospel think about that if this week or whenever your payday is coming whenever that that check hits the bank account would it bother you more not to have that money there than to go this week and not have an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody that's what I'm saying. That's what I said a while ago. As Christians, we even get messed up and wrapped up in the, in the system of this world so much so that those things can bother us more. And we'd be on, we'd be on the, the horn. We are, we are finding out what the problem is, why something didn't happen, if the bonus didn't get there, if the paycheck didn't hit, and we were supposed to get this, and we didn't get this. When these things don't happen, it really, really affects us. But how many weeks do we go throughout our year not ever sharing the gospel with one person? And does that bother us? Again, those are opportunities. Every minute, every second, every day is a blessing from God to redeem for His glory and for His purpose and kingdom. And again, if we're not redeeming those times, we're not redeeming the opportunity to, to use the spiritual gifts, even the, the great spiritual gift of eternal life that we've been given, if we're not taking the opportunity and using those things, that should bother us when we don't do that or we miss out on that. It should bother us way more not to be gathered in the name of Jesus Christ with all the other saints worshiping his holy name, the name that we just sang about this morning, name above names, worthy of all praise. Does it bother us more when we miss opportunities or, or when something gets in the way and, and we allow it to get in the way and we're not here gathered when we should be? Does that bother us more than, again, not being able to go to eat where we want to go to eat or not be able to have buy that, that, that thing that we want to buy. What bothers us more? Material things or spiritual things? What about this? Does it bother you not to tithe or not to give versus not buying something that you want? Again, we don't often like to talk about this because we think, well, it's my money. And I think, again, even as the believers in Jesus Christ, we've lost sight that everything we have from him, everything we have in this life is a gift from him. Everything. So when we have the right relationship and right perspective about money and about things and about what they are, it's not anything to give or to tithe. As a matter of fact, it becomes an overwhelming joy to do that. And that's what, it, that's what Jesus even said. He loves a cheerful giver. 
And so again, we have to ask, ask ourselves these questions. Because even as church-going Christians, we can get way off. We can get way off in this world. And I, I want to be very clear with this. We live in the system of this world. We live in it, which revolves around commerce. You and I know this. We, we, we go to jobs. Why do we go to jobs? Because we need to make money. Why do we need to make money? Because you can't just walk in the store and take something. You can, but you'll go to jail or you'll get charged. So you've got to have money. You've got to go money to buy that food so that you can not only feed your, your family, but you can also eat yourself. That's the way it works. And there's no other way around it. You know, well, I mean, I guess you don't have to, to, to work. I mean, there's other systems that people use, but um, that's the way the world system is set up. That we work, that we uh, get money, and that we pay for the things that we both need and use. That's the system. Um, but here is the problem. You and I are supposed to live in this world, in this world system, but not to live by it. That's, that's where we get off. That's where we get our, our, our kind of life paths messed up. Because as children of God, we are to be living for and living by the king's standards and living by the, the king of all kings, his glory, his kingdom. That's, what, that's how we're supposed to be living in this life. What is that? By faith, by, by, by obedience. That's his standard, by love. And so, again, when we look at what the world says, the world says get and gain while you can because if you don't, you're going to miss the opportunity. You're going to grow old and you're not going to have anything and you're going to be a miserable person the rest of your life. The world tells us these things and we think, yeah, I've got to do that. I've got to have this stuff. I've got to do these things. I've got to set this up. And I'm not saying anything wrong. Listen, you've heard me say this before. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. There's nothing wrong with setting up, uh, being steward uh, to set up a future. Nothing wrong with that. But what happens is our life becomes defined by that and not by living in obedience for the eternal kingdom of God. And so all we get worried about in our life, all we get flustered about, all we get frustrated about, all we get uh, disappointed about, all we get upset about, all we get worried about are those material, monetary things, the system of this world. We live by it instead of simply having to live in it for a temporal time. We live by it and it becomes our everything. We're thinking about the next week and the next, well, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. Versus saying, I'm only here for a moment. And, and I only have a moment with the spiritual blessings and the material blessings to redeem all of it for the kingdom of God. And along the way, God blesses me in amazing ways. He blesses me with a family. He blesses me with friends. He blesses me with things. He blesses me with stuff. He blesses me with all these things, but I see it in perspective as blessings of him, from him. And again, it's about the relationship that we have with God and also with things. As I said a while ago, it's all about perspective. And that should be, as the true children of God, He is our source. He is our source. Be clear, it's not your job. That's not your source. Your abilities, that's not your source. The money you have, it's not your source. Your intelligence, not your source. God is the source. He is our source. Without him, we have none of those things. We don't have the opportunity. We don't even have life without God. He is the giver. He's the author and giver of life. And so again, he is our source. When we see all of our blessings as from our source, then we can have the right relationship with things and, of course, with him. But in the scope of eternal matters, we have to ask this question, what are material blessings anyways? 
What are material blessings? What is so big about money that mankind can print and add value to and then take value away? I mean, you, many of you know about this. The, the dollar's got higher value. It's got lower value. The euro's got higher value, lower value. Who, who? God's not doing that. Man's doing that. Man's adding and taking away value to material things. And so when we have that perspective that this stuff's just material, it's man, it's this, it's, it's not, it has no eternal bearing other than, here it is, how they fit into the kingdom of God. Because when we are born again, we are taken from death to life. We are taken out of this, this world, the citizenship of this world, and our citizenship is in heaven. And so now we are to have a completely different relationship with sin, completely different relationship with the world, completely different uh, relationship with the system of the world, completely different relationship with everything material. Why? Because we are to set our affection, our mind on things above and not on things of this earth. Because we, we're looking for a city. That's, that's the truth. That's how we as Christians are to live in this world. So Jesus was not only teaching the lost a very important eternal truth, he was very clearly trying to teach his followers, number one, this, that we should not be controlled by material things. And you can, you can put several different things in there. We should not be defined by material things. We should not be controlled by material things. But that's the, that's the truth he was trying to express. And he's expressing to them even further in a parable that we see next. Look what he says in verse 16. Again, this is a, this is a, a heavenly story. Uh, I mean, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. His disciples would understand this. Those who were believing would understand this. But the loss would be like, great, it's a wonderful story. Um, verse 16, he says, It's a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, This is a rich man thinking, What shall I do? Because I have no room to bestow my fruits. I've got all this stuff. Everything's bursting over. All my vineyards, everything's doing wonderful. What, I, what am I going to do? And he said, This will I do. He didn't ask God. He didn't talk to God. He didn't thank God. He didn't talk. He didn't seek godly counsel. He didn't do anything. He just sitting back on, on his farm or whatever and thinking, man, whoo, life is good. I got everything I want. But I do have a problem. Here's my problem. I've got too much. I've got so much. I, I have a dilemma. What am I going to do with this dilemma? Aha, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull down my barns. I'm going to build bigger ones. And there will, there will I bestow all my, listen, listen to those words, all my fruits and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast laid up, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Look at all this you've done. Look at all the fruit of your labor. And I'll say to my soul, I'm sorry, take, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20. It's kind of, if you read the Bible some, like I do sometimes, like you, in your mind, this is where it goes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but God said to him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? And it's interesting that he says, your soul, and he says, that thou hast provided. He's very clearly teaching a lesson here that this man had, had no regard for where his blessings came from. He had no regard for God at all. And so he says, tonight's your night. Bible in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it's appointed unto man once to die, 
After this, the judgment. And so this was the night that his appointment with death was. And this man had completely no perspective on what life was all about. He had, he had been consumed by the world system of getting, gaining, riches equal success, riches equal happiness. And he was talking to himself, hey, look, I've done well. I've got lots of stuff. It's going to be bigger. It's going to get greater. And it's all going to be for me. So I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it all until I just die. This is going to be great. God comes along and says, you're a fool. Tonight's the night. And then he says, and then all the stuff that you said was yours, who's it going to be after you die? All the, all, all the presumption, all the effort, all the thought, all the, all the wasted time and all the wasted resources, you did it for you, and now you take nothing with you, none of it with you. And then he says this, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What a powerful statement. And it's a tragic, a devastating misstep that many people have made and many people are still making today. And again, sadly, even us Christians, we do it. Building up riches in this world while experiencing spiritual poverty. Did you hear that? Building up riches in this world while experiencing spiritual poverty. If the greatest things in your life, if the things that bring you the greatest happiness or, or, or satisfaction or fulfillment in your life are, are money and things, then your spiritual account is empty. Because I promise you this, as a child of God, there's nothing greater than to see what God did this past Sunday and seeing souls saved. There's nothing greater than what we're going to see today in souls being baptized in, in, in obedience to him. There's nothing greater than, than, uh, than, than being able to share the gospel with somebody. Something that we, is by grace, been given to us and received by us. We don't deserve any of those things. And, and, and yet these lips that, that know what sin is have been given the grace and the opportunity to share this amazing, powerful gospel. That's an amazing blessing of God. And so when, again, we get more pumped up about something that we have or something that we have in the bank or something we get to buy or whatever versus those spiritual things, we have got wrapped up in the wrong system. If your main focus is riches or stuff, you need recalibration. You, some of you have smartphones. When you set them up a lot of times for the first time, they've got a compass in them, and they tell you you've got to calibrate it. You gotta do certain things, you know, do it around like this or whatever. You need calibrating. Your direction's off. Folk, the, 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 the needle's not pointing the right direction. And that's what I think we need sometimes as Christians because we begin to focus on riches or stuff. This man had an attitude of gathering more things, and that was most, what was most important in life. But here's the truth he was driven by greed. He was driven by covetousness. He was driven by selfishness. And in his pursuit of more things, more material things, more stuff, he was blinded to his spiritual bankruptcy, which was his greatest need. And that's why God says, thou fool, you're a fool. You don't even recognize your greatest need is spiritual. You don't realize your greatest need is, is, is me, who is the one who has blessed you with all these things. See, our lives are supposed to be about loving God with every fiber of our being. 
and then loving our neighbor as ourselves. That's what our lives are being defined by. So if we, like this rich man, only become preoccupied with me, with myself, with my stuff, with me and mine, with our stuff, then the truth is that we are empty spiritually. So this morning, if your focus is on money and stuff, the truth is this, it can't be on God and his plan then. That's the truth. If you are focused, if that's what the definition of your life is, is what I have, what I've got to get, all these things, if that's the focus of your life, then it's not God, which is supposed to be the focus of all of our lives. Because I don't know if I, he's not saying that there, though. No, but he did say that. Same same account, uh, same story, same time, uh, just a different writer included that part, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is teaching the same, same thing, and this is what he says in verse 24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or hold to the one and despise the other. And then he makes this statement, you cannot serve God and mammon. There's not a disclaimer there, there's not, a, there's not a, an exception there. Uh, he doesn't say unless or but. He doesn't say anything. He says this is a definite statement. You cannot serve God and serve mammon, material things, money. You can't live, in this, or live by the system of the world and live by God's system at the same time. You can't do it. Now, you can live by God's system in the system of the world, but you can't live by, the, you can't live by God's uh, kingdom by the system of the world. You can't do it because you can't serve two masters. And I think, unfortunately, many of Christians' lives today look like they have split allegiances. But Jesus said it's impossible to do that. It's impossible to have split allegiances. He says it's either one or it's the other. And so why, 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 can it ha- why can't you have a split allegiance? Here's the reason why. Because God is God alone. And he will share no glory or no divinity. He will not share any space in his godship, in his divinity, with anything or anyone. And so we can't say, I'm serving this and God. No, 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 no. Then you're serving that. You're not serving God. Because of his nature as God alone, he is the only one that we are to serve at any point in time. Period. Period. And that's what Jesus was teaching. We have to ask, think about this, how foolish of a competition to be had in our lives with material things, a, a temporal instrument, money. It's a temporal instrument. It's an instrument, monetary instrument. To, to have competition with that versus an eternal, holy God. Why in the world do we do that? Why do you and I get wrapped up in that? Why, why is there at any point in time ever a thought, a worry, a fear when it comes to material things or, or finances? Why do we ever worry or fret or, 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 or get wrapped up and consumed with those things? Why in the world would we do that? I mean, we serve the living God who owns everything. Everything. We have a fleshly nature. We have this world. And the enemy's using both of them to come at us as hard as he can. To get us to live by the system of the world and not by God's system. 
And he's good at what he does. He's really good. I mean, if he was able to, to pull Eve away from God's plan, a, a woman who had never known what it was to sin, a woman who had never known what it was to disobey God's uh, word, never known what correction was, never knew what uh, even the pleasure of sin was, never knew any of those things, she was holy. She, she didn't have any, anything tainting her. And if Satan can come along and entice her, pull her over to leaving God's plan, leaving God's system, then you and I who know what it is to sin, you and I who know what it is to give into our flesh, you, know what, you and I who know what the pleasures of sin and pleasing our flesh feels like, he's just got to have the right time, the right opportunity. And that's what he does in our lives. But why is there such a battle? Why is, there, why is there such a battle? We have to understand it can't be God. Well, it is God, unless my spouse, no. It's God, unless my kids, no. It's God, unless my, my, my job, or unless I, I want to do, no. God alone. God alone. He is God alone. Look on, and we'll close verse 22. And he said to the disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. Jesus was teaching this. Don't worry your time away on temporal pursuits. Don't, don't be so preoccupied in this life with temporal pursuits. Why? He goes on. He says, the life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens. They, they don't sow uh, nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn. I mean, they don't live their lives like you do. And God feeds them. The ravens, how much more are you than the fowl? Are you better than the fowls? How much more does God care about you? He's, he, came, he sent his son to die for you, not for the ravens. And which of you taking thought can add to a stature one cubit? Even, uh, even then, be not able. You, you then be not able to do that, which is at least. Why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, and they toil not, they spin not. They don't work, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God then so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye little faith? And seek not, seek not ye what you shall eat, nor what you shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. Now let's understand something. Uh, I don't want to get too far off this because for time I, I want to stay here, but let me explain this. It doesn't mean that we're not concerned about getting groceries in the fridge or, or making sure that, that we have clothes on our back. Um, you know, we, we do those things. But he's saying, this can't be the pursuit of your life. Why? Because that's the pursuit of the world. That's the pursuit of the nations of the world. That's what they get up thinking about. That's, what they get, that, that's the definition of their life is what they have and what they can get in this world. He said, don't do that. Don't live your life like that. That's what the nations of the world do. And he says, and your father knoweth that you have needed these things. God knows what you need. And that God's so good that he not only, not only gives us what we need, many times he gives us even what we want. But he says this, don't do that. Don't live by the system of the world. Don't, don't, don't be like the nations of the world. He says, but you, as my followers, as my children, seek ye first. Is what Matthew says, but it says, rather, seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. All your needs will be provided. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
that's amazing to give you the kingdom. I mean, why would we be so enamored with the, the, the temporal world that's going to burn with fervent heat when we have the promise of the kingdom of God to come? The, the, the eternal things, the eternal kingdom that's going to go on forever, we are going to be a part of it. You say, why is that significant? Keep reading. Here, here's why. He says, so, so don't, this, you're going to give, be given the kingdom of God. So sell that you have. Give alms. Give. Help other people. Provide yourselves uh, bags which wax not old and treasure in the heavens that faileth not where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He says, you know what? As my children, you need to be focused every day of your life on the kingdom of God. The kingdom that you're going to inherit. The kingdom that you're going to live in forever and ever and ever. This kingdom right now, the kingdom of, of, of the God, the prince of the power of this air, Satan, is going to be all taken away. His little trifles and, 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 and dainties that he lays out there that makes us, make us think that, that money and things are so important and that we need to live for those things. And we need to be concerned and worried and fret and, and our attitudes and actions and moods and everything be controlled by those things. The enemy throws them all at us like that. And Jesus is saying, listen, don't worry like that. You need to be concerned about storing up treasure in heaven where no, no thief could ever touch or moth could never corrupt it. You need to be thinking about the things that you can only do for God only right now. Every day of your life, the people that you're encountering, the, 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 the lives that you can impact for the kingdom of God for all of eternity, those need to be your concerns. When you get up in the morning, it doesn't need to be worrying about, well, I don't know, I don't know, how am I going to eat? No, you need to be thinking, how can I share the gospel today? How can I encourage a brother or sister today? How can I be obedient to God? Because this may be my last time on this earth. This may be my last opportunity to do God's will in this temporal realm. And that's what you need to worry about. As the musicians make their way, I want to encourage you. Let's make sure that we're doing number two. That we're seeking God's eternal kingdom. Again, that means with our thoughts, with our desires, with our actions, we are pursuing not things and stuff, but him and his glory and his work. It means that we're going to be investing in it. We're going to be investing in others. We're going to be sacrificing and giving, not being controlled by money and things, not being controlled by the system of this world. Listen, a soul has eternal value. Please listen. A soul has eternal value. Money has only temporal value, except if it's used as an eternal instrument. Given. Blessing. This person's in need. I'm going to give it to them. This person, that the, the gospel needs to go out. That missionary's going. I'm going to give. We're trying to reach. I'm going to give. So maybe you're here this morning and stuff has been your pursuit. Money has been your pursuit. That's how you've been living your life. He said, well, so where, where am I? Understand this truth. Proverbs 23 says, labor not to be rich. Don't spend your life laboring to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. And he says this, will thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? Because riches certainly make themselves wings, and they fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Jesus taught it. It's not popular, but we preach it. Even if it affects me, if it affects you, if it affects everyone here, we've got to heed it. 
we got to understand that when we give and when we tithe and when we have the right relationship with finances, what that is expressing is that the blessings aren't governing us, but we're, ble- we're governing the blessings. We're, we're, we're taking what God has blessed us with and we're investing it into his kingdom. See, because God at the end of this life is not going to be impressed with, nor will it carry any significance when you stand before him. How much money you had, how much money I had, how much stuff you had, how much stuff I had. God is not going to be impressed with that. And it's not going to have any bearing on eternity except in that it might be an indication of a wasted life, wasted blessings. You and I have got to be determined whether we're going to be controlled by this world, the God of this world, the system he set up, or that we're going to be mastered by no other than Jesus. We've got to make that determination. I shared a quote Thursday night, and I've shared it in here many times before. But Charles Studd is a very rich man, and uh, he went to hear D.L. Moody preach one time. And the fervor of D.L. Moody so stirred him, he gave his life over to Jesus Christ. He himself became a fervent soul winner, but it wasn't enough. He ended up giving away his massive inheritance, selling it all to go to China, to spend the rest of his life at George Mueller's orphanage to serve the gospel purpose. And this is what he said. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Let's do a sincere evaluation of our lives this morning. I think all of us Christians could probably do a recalibration of our relationship with stuff, our our relationship with money. Let's make sure that we understand they're just, it's just temporal blessings. But they, they do mean something in this life. In that, what's our relationship with them and how are we stewarding them? How, how are we stewarding? Are we, are we investing the things that God has given to us into his kingdom? Are we, are we storing up treasures in heaven? Or are we just kind of living our lives with the temporal blessings for us and us alone? Looking for more, looking how we can get more. Jesus told that that man you're a fool for doing that and you're going to die this night and everything's going to be wasted and so I pray that we, we don't miss the point you know we're so blessed we look around this room and you have stuff I have stuff we have things that's not what our life's about let's pray that we're not so close to those things that if they went away today it would bother us more than not being able to witness to somebody if you lost that favorite vehicle or even if your house burned down that's a that's a tough thing if you lost your house today the temporal dwelling place that would be hard that would be hard to deal with but would that affect our life more than knowing somebody may be dying today and going to spend eternity burning in a lake of fire and maybe we're the only avenue of the gospel that they they have that's about perspective that's we all have to get and maintain that perspective every day of our life. I want to ask you again. Let's, let's recalibrate. Let's evaluate our lives. What's our relationship? 
alike with stuff and, and money. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the reminder. Thank you for this, uh, this challenge this morning, God. I didn't get to get through everything, but I, I know that uh, you've spoken. Your word is clear. Lord, there's no way we can serve you and any, any other thing or any other one. You're God alone. And you require, you demand by your divinity, by your, the character of being God alone. You, you demand our absolute allegiance and obedience. God, and how foolish of us to elevate money and things, things that one day are going to just burn away and have no meaning at all. How foolish of us to elevate those things in importance. How foolish of us to elevate those things anywhere near you and your plan and the blessings you've given to us for eternity. Help us this morning to, to have right hearts, to get, maybe we need to repent, Lord. Maybe we need to spend time at this altar in our seats, Lord, just making sure that we turn away from living by the system of the world. Maybe we just need to recalibrate and make sure that we're living for you, for you and your plan and your kingdom alone. God, help us get it right before it's too late. Help us get things set right before it's too late. I pray you just move now. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.